Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We are uh, in a series called Uncomfortable and living in God's peace. There's this uncomfortable place that God calls us to that, that, that we're, we're called to live in his peace. And this is some of the, the things we've tackled thus far is uh, uh, fasting, um, anger, last week was lust, and this week we are talking about doubt. But let me, let me set the table first because uncomfortable Christianity is, is transformational Christianity. It's about serving rather than being served. Un- uncomfortable Christianity is about others. It's about doing the hard things that Jesus calls us to, not just showing up to church twice a month. Come on, uh, come on, something. You gotta give me now. Um, it's, it's, it's doing the, if, if that's the hard thing, showing up to church regularly, I wanna make people uncomfortable right now. Keep working on being on time too. I like that. But uh, um, it, it is this uncomfortable Christianity is sitting in the peace of Jesus and walking in his peace, even when everything around you is in chaos and crazy. That's where God has called us to live in trusting in him. And I want to talk today about doubt. Very uncomfortable. I mean, it, it may be very uncomfortable for you to think that the pastor that leading, leading this church may have doubts or have moments of doubt. Maybe not. It's uncomfortable to really wrestle with. Now, Barna uh, did a study a, a couple years back, and it says this, 26% of people in the church that call themselves Christian doubt on many different levels of this thing called Christianity and, and Jesus and God. Um, it's 40%, this is pretty cool, uh, yes, have doubted, but they've worked through it. And, uh, and, and 35% said no, never. That 35% are liars. Let me just qualify this. It, it, that, that is so not true. They just saw the survey and they thought they were going to be super Christian, but we can't even see their faces, so who cares if they're super Christian? Okay, they're lying. Because everybody on some level has wrestled with this. I want to start with this scripture in, in, in John 20. We know the, the story of, of, of Thomas, doubting Thomas. Um, but it, it says this in John 20, 24 through 29. Now Thomas was one of the 12, was not the disciple when the, Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hands and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. That's an interesting statement because he's been through all this, this doubting. But right when he, he sees and touches Jesus, he goes right back to being a disciple. My Lord, my God. He's making a statement of who he is. And then Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning, God. I just I pray that you would speak to us. Speak to our wrestlings and our doubts. Holy Spirit, that you would come in this place, that you would move in, in miraculous ways. God, I thank you for this, this time that we have. And Lord, push me aside and Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, whatever you might say. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I doubt it. One of the hardest things about doubt is admitting that you have doubt. That's one of the most difficult things. My, my best friend is a doctor, and, and here's the beauty of being dumb. He's not dumb. Here's the beauty of being simple-minded. I am not the sharpest guy. I'm not, you know, I'm good-looking, so it makes up for it, so that's all right. Come on. And humble, so those kind of balance out stupidity, you know. But um, uh, it's... It, 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 I, I'm just things, concepts don't sit and rattle in my brain. My friend, my best friend who's a doctor, who is science-based and everything that, that is, is built on science and prove and prove and prove. Um, and and a, a few years back, 10 years back, led him to the Lord and been discipling him. And, and, uh, but we still have these conversations and he just can't wrap his mind around certain things because everything that he does in life has to be proven as a doctor. And that you don't have to be a doctor to think that way or to wrestle with it. And, and even coming to that place, and, and uh, i got to be honest, there are times, can I be real honest and vulnerable without you judging me except for behind my back when you leave here? <laughs> There's moments as I'm preaching a gospel or I'm preaching something, and in my mind is racing, and, and I believe it's the enemy lying, going, how can that be true? Now, let me just say, it is rare. It is rare. But it's true. And if you sit here and you tell me you've never doubted this thing called the resurrection, this thing called the virgin birth, the story of, of, of Jonah and the story, all the stories that we hear, I think you're way too comfortable in your faith. See, if there are no paradoxes, tensions, if there's no unresolved questions, you're way too comfortable. Really what it means is you're not reading the Bible and you're not hanging around other Christians and you're not listening to what you need to be listening to. Because there's this constant wrestling. Here's what I know about this wrestling. When I have those moments, I know that I know that I know that God doesn't jump off the throne and go, oh my goodness, John, how can this be? He's not moved by my doubts. He sits on his throne, and he knows the power that goes forth in the creation of the universe and me and others, and there's this security. He doesn't jump off and get freaked out by your doubts. See, a healthy, uncomfortable faith consistently rocks you, changes you, just gets in your head, prods you, and blows your mind, or it should. It's a faith that leaves you restless to want to know more, not satisfied, um, you've grasped all there is to grasp about God. If you think you've grasped all that there is to grasp about God, you're completely clueless. 
completely. This, this wrestling is all right, and I want to take you through some of that, th- that today and, and look at a couple of things and then, and then talk about why it's important. But there, there are three key presuppositions that, 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 that truth is built on. Now, there are more, but these are the three that I want to focus on today, that, that where you stand on with truth in what the Bible says and what we see. Number one is this. Uh, Albert Mortimer or Mortimer Albert, uh, Alder, sorry, uh, was a Jewish uh, uh, philosopher who became a Christian. And he said this, if God is God, there will have to be majesty and mystery in God himself. In other words, he would have to be magnificent. There would have to be this largeness, this majesty of who he is, but then there would have to be this mystery that you and I cannot figure out if he's to be God. This is the great philosopher, okay? Now, here's number two. I'm not God. And the one who said that is John, pastor extraordinaire, father and husband. I didn't have anything impressive to put under my quote like Albert or Mortimer, so I I went with that. So the first one, if there is a God, he has to be majestic, and he has to be. He's got to be mysterious. The second thing you have to understand, the presupposition, is you're not God, although some of you like to play God regularly. The third thing we have to stand on in a presupposition that we have to look through the lens is if God is God, he would have to be other than. Every major theologian since the crucifixion that has written agrees upon this evangelical principle that God is other than. What does that mean? He's not you. He's not me. He's other than. And we have no way to to contextually grab a hold of what that really means. So this is the foundation in which we look when we talk about doubt. This is what we we have to stand on when we talk about the truth of God's word. Now let's look at a couple of things. Um, These three presuppositions is what I want to roll through when we look at them. How about creation? And I, and I, I talk to scientists and you talk to people all the time. And it says in Genesis 1, 6 through 8, And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters that separate the water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vaults from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, and the second day. In other words, it says this. When you read through that Genesis account, it says there were, there were seven days. There were six in creation and one that he rested on. That, and is it this 24-hour day? Is it not a 24-hour day? Was the earth created in, in six million years ago, or was it created 4,000 years ago? I, I don't know. You don't know. You may have theories and what you think, but you do not know. But God says that he created in the six days. And when we look scripturally, six 24-hour days. And, and people go, well, how do you? If God is God, he can create in a second. He can create in a moment. He can create as he sees fit. And he saw fit to create in six days. And he divided the waters. And he divided the water from the, the land. And he created animals. And he created the sky and the stars and everything in it. And one of the ways I counter doubt in my life is I go outside and I go to the beach or I go out at night and I just see the vastness of what is created. And at time, I have to come back to this truth that there's got to be a creator because nothing is by chance. Number two, Noah's Ark. This is the one that really jacks up the, the doctors and the scientists. 
You know what I mean? You, ever, you really want to tick off a, an academic or, a, you know, a, a, a professor or a doctor or, you know, one of those people. Just, just throw out Noah's Ark. Big Ark. Did anybody grow up here in the, in the, in the 70s when Arco used to give out the plastic animals? And the ark, do you guys, who remembers that? Who had that as a kid? I so remember that, that, you know, that story. No one was up in arms then. But today, God forbid you had Arco give out ark animals. On, uh, when you buy gas, you'd be, I mean, the world would be upside down. <laughs> Genesis 7 says this, And the waters prevailed so mightily that the earth, on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. This, this guy built an ark. It, it, it doesn't, yeah, very specific. And the water, it says the waters come from, uh, from in the earth and, and flooded the whole earth. And two by two, they walked on there. And I was with my buddy uh, that's the doctor and his, his other doctor that works with him. And he's like, what about the duck-billed platypuses? Were they on the ark? I said, of course not. They were swimming beside the ark. <laughs> what are you thinking? You know, there's, there's always this thing that someone will come with. There's always a question. Look, I don't get it how he built an ark. He hired some contractors. I don't know. I, I don't understand how two came and, and all of every creation. And you couldn't fit every creation on the ark today. And, and I, I don't understand how all that works. But remember what I said earlier. I'm an idiot. I'm not real smart, but you science people, you teachers, you people that, you know, have to have reason and logic that play it out. Yeah, sorry. There's a step of faith, and, but I stand on those three pillars. And I go, well, if God is God, he'd have to be magnificent, and he'd have to be mysterious. Therefore, he could create an ark and a flood. If God is God... He, and I'm not God, so me not understanding really in the, in the grand scheme of thing, who cares? I know you want answers, but, but sorry. <laughs> Jonah and the whale, this one really crushes people too. Oh yeah, big fish came and ate the guy and sat there and the, the, had dinner in the whale and pitched a tent and had a fire and everything. I mean, they just, they, you know, they, it's like they just, they, they prod, uh, my buddies, they prod me and go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, they all watch Bill Maher and, and, and uh, they, they, they just, you know, hammer away at, uh, I don't know. It says in Jonah 1.17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. I'm just happy it wasn't me. I, a big fish comes along, grabs a guy, and he lives and spits him out, and then he goes and do, do exactly goes to do exactly what God calls him to do. Sure, if God is mysterious and majestic, if God is other than, look, if I am God, okay, I, I clearly said I'm not God. We the quote, okay, I'm a magnificent pastor. I'm not God. So if 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 I am God, I would do the same thing. I would mess with people's minds and do crazy stuff like that too. <laughs> I would just put these little twists in there that they go, that can't be true. Dang fish did not eat anybody. So it makes sense to the, the simpleton. <laughs> Are you laughing at me? My wife laughs. She, she agrees. She knows. But, but I don't walk in front of cars. Um, okay. <laughs> How about the resurrection? God would have to be mysterious and he'd have to be magnificent, majestic. 
I'm not God. We're standing on these three presuppositions. It says in 1 Corinthians 15 of the resurrection, and Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. That's a magnificent story. Or it's a magnificent truth that affects my life. Wait, 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 my buddy. So wait, this Jesus comes, fully God, fully man, comes as a baby, virgin birth, walks this earth for 33 years, lets people spit on him and, and mock him, hangs on a cross, and goes into the grave. That's Jesus. Yep. Think about how absolutely magnificent it is that this God who created me loved me so much that when creation fell, he says, I'm going to make a way for you. And you go, well, why did he have to go through all this? Because God could not be just unless he dealt with sin and injustice. So he had to make a way. Otherwise, he wouldn't be just. He'd be random God. And he sent his son Jesus to die. That's, that's, that's majestic. It is mysterious how you wrap all that virgin birth, Jesus, baby stuff together. It's an amazing, incredible story in life that Jesus lived. So what you're telling me, John, that if I just pray this prayer, just say, Jesus, then, then I don't have to go spend eternity in hell and I get to be in heaven and, and all that stuff. No, no, I'm not telling you anything. But the Bible says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Look, this whole, this whole thing of doubt is, 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 is hammered down the moment you speak it out. You know what happens when you start to speak truth? Doubt starts to fade away. When you start to stand and speak it, it comes and, and it just, just builds up your faith. And when we stand there, I go, no, 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 yes, that's exactly what the Bible says, that when I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, because I'm proclaiming something, when I profess that, then, then, then Jesus is faithful to come into my life and change me. Now, it's not just words. There's a life that goes behind it and is lived. That's the Bible and why we stay and read and, and, and ask and wrestle through questions. And Jesus says, if you confess with your mouth, if you just, Jesus, I, I can't save myself. Jesus, I can't even save myself. I can't even make it through the day on my own, or the week, or finances, or whatever on my own. I can't be married the way I'm supposed to without, I need you, Jesus. And God says, when you confess and you believe upon Jesus, he says, you will be saved. That's, that's just, there's this mystery, there's this magnificence that, just, that is just incredible. But we doubt. Doubting is not the issue. Let me take you through a couple things here that, that people wrestle through. Every unbeliever has faith. Every believer has doubts. Faith isn't a feeling, it's not a fantasy, and and it isn't the point. And at some point, God is either God or he's not. The first one is every, everyone has faith, including the atheist. You know, the atheist has faith. Don't buy the lie that your atheist friends 
don't have to bother with faith. They live in a blind faith of naturalism. Let me show you this. And I, I think I've, I've drawn it before. Um, see, an atheist will say what? There is... Okay. An atheist stands on science. Correct? An atheist goes, I believe in what has to be proven. Science. Do you know what science said some thousand years ago, or I don't know, 500, I'm not good in history either. They said that the, the earth was flat. Anybody know that to not be true today? You know what our scientists said? They said that if you have disease, they would drain the blood and the blood would leave, and they said that's how we get rid of disease. So an atheist believes in knowledge. That's all science is, is, is knowledge. And an atheist believes in knowledge, yet we have this constantly moving knowledge and revelation of God and truth throughout time. So an atheist will say to you, there is absolutely no... Okay. So then what I say and you say to the atheist is this. This whiteboard represents all that can be known. Beginning, end... God, without God, this represents everything that has ever been, happened to be known or will be known. And then I say to them, what percentage of this knowledge do you possess? And, and most of them are arrogant, but all doctors, you know, hey, we saved the world. Um, you know, so I go, let me, let me just help you here. Here's what I'm going to give you. All the knowledge that can be had is right there. That's what you possess. Of everything that's ever happened and everything that is going to happen, that is what you possess. I'll give that to you. Therefore, if that is true, this is the knowledge you possess, then all of this knowledge that is out here that you have no way of conceiving, of grabbing a hold of, or understanding is left out there. Could there be a God? No, there can't. Yes, that's the right answer. I like it. All of a sudden, their head starts turning a little bit. Their eyes roll back, and they cuss at me and spit. So I go. I just go to well. Look, let's just go here. At the very least, you're a deist because you, there is no way you can tell me there is no God. You absolutely cannot tell me that there is no God. And science changes, 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 and and reveals to us the truth. Again, one of God's cruel jokes. I love it. I love it. The God particle. Does anybody know what the God particle is? 1964, Peter Higgins, I believe it was, was, his, was his name, had this theory laid out that, that there's this, this invisible universe that, that, that the natural universe is connected to. That, that, um, and, and the God particle is this theory that they have that they are now finding to be true. That there's this mass and matter. I hope I'm saying it right. I know Kevin knows more about this stuff than I do. Um, uh, but there's mass and matter. There's this invisible universe that has caused all this natural stuff to take place. And you know what? Scientists are realizing that that, that is true. For the first time in the history of man, scientists are realizing that there's this universe, this invisible universe that we don't see that is affecting this natural universe. I can only imagine God just sitting up there laughing at us. Going, gosh, you guys thought you're so smart. And he just kind of gives us a peek into the curtain. And then he just kind of takes another peek into the curtain. Look, I'm not God. I can't figure all this out. I just want to figure out how to get gas in my car, keep it clean without my kids leaving french fries under my, my seats. 
That's my big challenge. I'm not smart enough to, to, but I know that I know that I know that Jesus is Jesus, not because I've read it, because I've experienced the power of Jesus Christ. I've seen the deliverance. I've seen what he's done in my life. I've tasted. I can, it's, it's, it, I can walk outside and look at the majesty and the mystery of God. I can look in here and I can, I can see the majesty and the mystery of God and know it to be true. Number two, every believer has doubts. Doubt is a part of being a human being. It's a part of it. It would be odd if you didn't doubt God at times. More than this, doubt is a, a, an inevitable part of a Christian experience. This is why Jesus continually said to the disciples, O ye of little faith. And, and, I, and I get it. I get it in my life, in the, the, the ups and downs that, that Chris and I have gone through in this thing called life and ministry and church and kids and marriage and, and, and fill in the blank. There's these moments of these dark, dark places where I go, how can this be true? God, then why don't you rescue me? Why don't you do your magic? Why don't you do what you do, God? And it's out of the hurt and the desperation that I sit in this place. And, and, and I, I can only, I have to take the natural and the spiritual. We talk about that parallel. And I look at my children, and, and it's, it's the same parallel that when my children are in my presence, and especially younger, and they go, ah, Dad, I can't, you don't know what you're talking about. How, why don't you help me out here? Why don't you help me out? I'm in a desperate place. And I know full well in my mind that if I rescue this child at this moment, that it's not going to help them out. So in my little bit of wisdom I have, I step back and let them sit in what they have and what they're going through so that they might learn and actually be what they need to be as young men and young women. And on some level, it's the same. God leaves me in some of my stuff, not because he's sadistic, not because he did it, but because he allows it, and out of it comes life. If you trust in him. Every believer has, has doubt. A doubtless Christian is, is, is as impossible as a sinless Christian. 1 John 1, 9, 9 says this, If we say we have no doubts, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our doubt, God is faithful and just to forgive us our doubts and purify us from our unbelief. Number three, faith isn't a feeling. Feelings come and go. Feelings let you down. I say this all the time. If I live by my feelings, I love you guys. If I live purely by my feelings, I would not be with you here today. You guys are great. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. You're kind. You're all those things. But I would be in Costa Rica with my family, surfing, drinking pina coladas, and, and eating fresh fish. If I live my life by my feelings, oh, what feels good, I, 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 it, it, totally everything looks different. My marriage, my children, my relationships, and what I do. Faith isn't a feeling. Number four, faith isn't a fantasy. We don't, we don't believe Jesus in spite of the evidence. We believe Jesus because we have, have, we've been persuaded 
by changed lives. Faith is like opening your eyes and, and this light that's, that's shining. Faith is, is this, I, I, I'm not taking this giant leap of faith. No, no, no. I get up in the morning and I experience God. I walk out my door and I experience God. I look at my wife and the covenant that I have with her and I experience God. I walk in relationships with you and I experience God. I see God answer prayers and I see God not answer prayers, but I experience God. I don't know why he answers some and doesn't answer others. I don't know why he heals some and doesn't heal others, but I, he, it, I'm not God. Sometimes I just got to leave it there. Faith is, isn't a fantasy. Faith comes from hearing the message, hearing the word of God. Number five, faith isn't the point. Jesus is. Look, when, when, when your, your focus is on all these things, and, and when I'm talking to my, my buddy, the doctor, and I'm going, look, you're, you just Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is, that is a Christmas reference, sorry. Um, Jesus is, 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 is my focus, not all the doubts. And here's what happens. Invariably, when I, when I, 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 I turn from, I don't understand this, God. And usually I say I don't understand this because I'm mad at him because he didn't do something for me. He didn't, you know, genie in the bottle, just answer my prayer. That's why I'm mad. And my doubt comes out of my anger because I'm not getting what I want because I'm a spoiled little brat. And at some point, then i got to turn and just go, no, no, no. Jesus is the answer and the only answer that I have. When we focus on the hymn of Jesus rather than the what of faith, doubts are reduced, replaced, and even redeemed. It might just be a part of the path of doubt that God's way of bringing you to a deeper, richer knowledge of Jesus himself. Absolutely. And I go from that place, I don't understand God. And I go, okay, Jesus. God, that doesn't make sense to me. And, and why are you doing this to me? And I go, no, 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 Jesus. Faith isn't the point. Jesus is. Since faith is embracing Jesus in times of doubt, I don't need more faith. I need more Jesus. And when I get more Jesus through preaching, through the scriptures, through the sacraments, through prayer, through community, then maybe even a, 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 in, in spite of myself, my faith is revived. See, but the, what, what the natural mindset is this. I've got my doubts, then forget those Christians. They're all alike, and I'll go to church once a month now. Forget him. I'll show John. I'll go once a month. You know, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, we get into that mindset as opposed to, no, no, no. Let me, let me, God, I don't understand, but I'm not God. God, I don't understand, but you're magnificent. The last one is this. At some point, God is either God or he's not. At some point, God is either God or he's not. I've talked about this many times. Um, Barna did a study with, with our, our young people that says 65% of them you know, leave their faith when they go off to college. I don't know if you've heard that statistic. But one of the things he said, and again, I, I'm repeating myself, but it's a great point, so just what are you going to do, leave? Um, <laughs> you could, I guess. Barna, Barna says this, that, that one of them reasons that young men and women, our kids, leave their faith when they go off to college is because there was never room in their home to doubt God. There's never room in their home to question whether there's a God or not. That's fascinating. Because us Christians go, no, you're going to believe in God, and you're going to go to church, and you're going to be on time, and you're going to fold your hands, and you're going to pray the right prayer. But I, I don't, no, you're going to believe 
And out of our desperation for wanting our children to know Jesus, we force them into this little, you know, this, this little Christian thing. And, 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 it, and there's got to be a place to wrestle. Look, it's safe to wrestle with God and your family at home. Get out in college and go to those universities and start wrestling with truths and the doubts. It's a lot more difficult, and that's why we see so many kids walking away. Give your kids room to question. I've, I've told the story. I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, from McKenna to Jack to TJ to Hudson, oh, Lord, not George yet, but to a T, each one of them have questioned whether there's a God. And I didn't freak out so much. The one I told you before, I'll tell you again, Hudson, well, I don't go to church because you're a pastor. I don't believe in, in God. I'm like, well, okay, you don't have to believe in God, right, you know? But, but here's the thing, you go to church because that's what we do. You don't have a choice about that. A little different. And then all of a sudden, huh. Then all of a sudden, he's in the East Coast and things aren't going as well. He's like, will you pray with me? I'm like, I thought you didn't believe in God. <laughs> oh, I didn't do that. I didn't do that, I promise you. I am not that, I'm not that bad of a dad. <laughs> At some point, he either is or he isn't. And there's always this, this, this point in my life when I'm like, God, why didn't you? God, where are you? Are you even real that I come to this place? In Job 38, it says this. And the Lord answered Job. Job had been through these trials and he was frustrated with God and wanted answers. The Lord God answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, this is one of my favorite lines in the Bible, who is this that darkens, the counsel, my, darkens counsel by words without knowledge? This is the line. Dress for action like a man. He's like, you know what? Be a man, stand up and come talk to me. It's beautiful. Then he, he goes into this whole, this, he says, I will question you now, Job. God's talking to Job. And you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, Job. Where were you? Where were you hanging out when I put this thing together? If you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Did you take your little ruler and measure trees? And did he, I mean, it's so absurd. Surely you know. I love that. The, the, I'm telling you, God is so much more than you have in your mind. He is funny. He can be sarcastic. He can be. He, he is so much more than the little box that you put him in. He goes, surely you know, Job, and all your wisdom, you know. Who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Where were you? 38 is a life verse for me because when I get a little squirrely on those places, I just go, you know what? I wasn't there. And in order for God to be God, I have to realize I'm not God. In order for God to be God, there has to be this, this mystery and this majesty that, that kind of comes together. It just kind of aligns everything and puts it in place. Jesus said to the disciples, or he said when he was with the disciples in John 20, 29, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who live in 2020 and have never seen me face to face and had the conversation like this. 
Blessed are those who still believe. Blessed are those who, who, who wrestle through just God-awful disease and sickness and still believe. Blessed are those who have been traumatically, been through traumatic situations in life and lost a loved one and still believe. Blessed are those who have walked with children who have, have, have put them through ungodly pain and still believe. Blessed are those who have nothing. You've lost it all and still believe. Blessed are those who are wrestling through relationships and marriages and am I going to have a husband? Am I going to have a wife? Am I? Yet still believe. That's what Jesus is saying. Do you have doubts? Okay. It's all right. It's all right. But know this. Know this. This God that we serve is majestic. And, and know this. He's mysterious. And I have no way of knowing how all this comes together. And there is no one that's ever been created that does. See, the peace that we, we live in, whoops, sorry. The peace that we live in is this, knowing that someone does know. Jesus. I may not understand my circumstances, but he does. I may not like my circumstances, but I know he cares. I may not want my circumstances. And I so don't want to believe in you because I felt like I was dealt a bad hand. And God goes, no, no, no. No, there's so much, I have so much more for you. <laughs> Who's knocking at the door? <laughs> Jesus is knocking at the door. <laughs> it's all right to have doubts. It's uncomfortable at times, but it's all right. It's what happens when you pull through and what you're doing with those doubts. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.